I had a 17-year-old who had shot himself in the chest, and that messed me up for a long time. I wanted that kid to be okay so bad. I was not okay after that. What's up, motherfuckers? Hope you're having a great day. Welcome to the very first episode of the Badass Motherfucker Podcast, where we talk to and highlight exceptional healthcare workers nominated by you. Today, we kick off with an absolute legend, Ashley Goodman Ford, an ER nurse with over a decade of experience under her belt working out of Gulfport, Mississippi. We discuss how she literally tackled a combative patient to protect her co-workers, her strategies for burnout, and the realities and challenges of working deep in the hood of Gulfport, Mississippi. Ashley truly is one badass motherfucker, and I cannot wait for you to hear her story. Hi, Ashley. How are you? Hi. I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. I, uh, I've i never been to Gulfport, Mississippi. Is there any like trauma-specific things that happen in Gulfport, Mississippi that might not happen anywhere else? This probably happens all over the country, but we get ground-level falls from your elderly population, hmm. broken hips, um, and that's like the main trauma call that we get is a ground-level fall with a obvious deformity they've broken their hip some gunshots sprinkled in some sad sprinkled in but it's mostly broken hips but we have a couple of stories from uh deanne about you guys had a pretty bad day there were some back-to-back -back traumas and um you know some some horrible things happened and uh you took it upon yourself to slow everybody down voice your emotions and gave everybody else the space to kind of say how they were feeling i was not okay and I couldn't get myself together to be able to go and take care of my other patients. Like I just needed to talk to them. I needed to stop for a second so that I could, you know, bring myself together enough where I would be able to provide adequate care to the other people that were there. Because so it was like two separate situations that happened. Um, there were multiple uh, gunshot victims that came in young young people during spring break and um then the next day or only a couple of days later there was a like 14 or 15 16 years old uh pregnant shot in the head they come rushing into the ambulance bay with her we pull her out of the car there's blood everywhere we you know code her and of course we know that it's we, there's nothing we can do because we had no idea how long she had been down um but she was pregnant and the doctor put the ultrasound on her stomach to try to figure out how old the fetus was if we need to do an emergency c-section and i can see the baby's heartbeat you know i can see the baby and the baby's still alive but the baby's too young we can't deliver it it wouldn't survive wow. so we all were in the room and we had to watch, basically watch the baby's heartbeat get slower and slower because the mom was dead. And that was not okay. I was not okay after that. And I couldn't just, normally I can suck it up and I can move on to the next patient and, you know, I'm, I'll deal with it later, decompress later. But I came to my charge nurse, Vicky, who was like our mom in the ER. And I was like, I, I, I'm not okay. I can't, I can't get myself together to go do what I need to do. Like, and I start crying and I'm like, are y'all okay? I mean, we just had to let a baby die. Like, can we talk about it? I, 
I've, this has never happened to me before. And, you know, so we kind of had like a little debriefing right there at the nurse's station and everyone was able to, to voice that, no, you know, they're not okay. This is really one of the most awful things they've ever had to experience. But I think it was an opportunity to kind of get it off of our chest so that we could move on and take care of our other patients. But that was probably one of the worst, uh, one of the worst situations that I've come across in the ER. There are many more, but uh, that was one of the worst. Yeah. Oh my God, that sounds that sounds really bad. There's a lot of things that happen in the ER, but some some of these they just stick with you. I remember I was I was uh I was retelling a story to one of my sisters, and uh, I forgot it had happened. It was like you know five, four or five years ago. I started telling it. And I just started crying out of nowhere. It's, and and it's because, and I realized I had not processed it yet. It was just like one of the things where like it happened and I moved on and I forgot about it. Yeah. You know? That happens too where I'm like retelling a story and then I'm like, oh, I'm getting choked up. Like, I guess I didn't fully process these emotions. Was it, did she have family there who brought her in? It's a really bad situation. So it was her boyfriend and the boyfriend's friend brought her in. The boyfriend's also the father of the child. Yeah. Um, and it turns out he's the one that shot her. She was in laying in bed sleeping. He shot her. They drug her down the hall and threw her in the car and came to the ER to, I guess, try to make up a story of what happened. And um, when the vehicle pulled up, there were gunshots in the SUV. So we thought, oh, God, this has been a drive-by. Like, no, those gunshots were from a totally different incident, weren't from that day. Oh, my God. Of course, he's acting. He's like, oh, my God, am I, my baby mama, my baby mama's been shot, you know, and making a scene like, he got me. I thought he, did, you know, had nothing to do with it because he seemed so upset. Yeah. But the cops took him into custody, and, you know, a few days later, it came out that he admitted to, to shooting her. You are fucking kidding me. It was... Yeah. And, you know, and people wonder why, like, we get so upset with people coming to the ER. It's because, like, you get one bad egg like that, and it will fuck you up for, the, for like, you know, for a good portion of your career. Like, how can you trust people after that, you know? See, I'm sure you've seen a lot worse things uh, because you're in a different part of the country. Um, but there was a situation where... Uh, a man brought in his significant other. He had beaten her to death with a pipe. And the radiologist came from his little area where he reads to the trauma room to look at this patient because he couldn't believe how awful the CT scan worked. He had to come and see the patient in person. This man had this woman's child doing CPR on her on the way to the hospital. How old and is the then, child? I think she was 11 or 12. And then on camera, you see him taking the patient out of the car and he smacks her head on the door. I mean, she was already gone. I don't know how long he waited before he brought her in, but she was, I'm 36. She was my age and she had two or three children. Oh, man. 
Ashley, like, tell the people how you do it. And the crazy part is, like, people don't understand, like, in the ER, we get patients who pass all the time, right? But for the most part, they're old, you know? Yeah. Like, they've lived their life. Like, stuff has happened to them. When you get older, it's inevitable. Like, shit goes down, right? Like, you get sick, right. your body breaks down. But to have someone who's any less than 40, I want to say, right? It's just, that's way too young. And, like, your two yeah. stories about a girl who, who, who's, who's pregnant, she's, I, I can't imagine she was any more than, like, you know, early 20s, mid-20s, and a 26-year-old who's, you know, beaten by her partner. It's just, it's so sad and like no like like i i, I like i uh, where i work we get we don't get those that often i worked at very you know i worked at hospitals that were in great really ritzy areas fortunately i worked for mm -hmm. stanford and i worked for ucla so you know no, I, yeah, I, my I, I did hospital, not get all of those my hospital is in the hood like deep in the hood so if something happens also we're a level two trauma center so if something bad happens it's coming to us first before you know if it has requires um a higher level of care then we will transfer them out but we're the only level two trauma center you know on the the mississippi gulf coast yeah so the younger people are hard and then like what is hardest for me is the the kids when we have to, uh, kids are my favorite patient. Like if they come in, they have a lack and you fix them up and you, you know, that's my favorite patient, but a really sick kid or, you know, like we had coded a three-year-old that had drowned and yeah, we got him back. You know, he had a heartbeat, but we all knew that he wasn't, he, he was brain dead. And, um, it, that's the hardest ones to, um, get past for me. I had a 17 year old who had shot himself in the chest and that messed me up for a long time. Um, because he came in talking to us. He was oh. awake alert. Yeah. He was awake alert, talking to us, you know, asking for water. And, uh, we put a chest tube in because the x-ray showed that he had a, um, hemothorax. So when all that blood started, uh, draining from the lung, he coded. We cracked his chest in the ER. Yeah. And if you don't know, a, a, a cracked chest, uh, if people don't know, it's it's when uh, we we slice open, a, you know, a part of the chest, take a, take this machine, I don't even know what it's called, but it basically cr uh, cranks open all the ribs so you can get to the heart and uh, either, either cut the perineum, which is like overflowing with blood, or you manually pump the heart yourself. Is that right? Yeah, and so that's what they were having to do was manually pump his heart. Um, and so they got the OR ready, and the surgeon's resident was straddling the patient, pumping his heart while we we're running down the hall to the OR, and I'm running with the um, rapid transfuser. I'm covered in blood because I got so frustrated trying to set it up that a whole bag of blood dumped on me. No. But I'm like, we ain't, I'm not stopping like I'm a— when we get this patient, then I'll change. Yeah. So I, I got another bag ready and we're like pumping blood in him. There, you know, she's massaging his heart. We get him up to the OR and he survived. Okay. He's made it through surgery. Oh, shit. But when he got to the ICU, he ended up coding again and they couldn't get him back. Yeah. Because I mean, at that point, he's just way too unstable. Yeah. But uh, 17 years old, 
and went to school with one of my um, co-workers and very good friend, went to school with her son. And so it was, it hit home for a lot of the people that worked in the ER and for her child, knowing him, you know, that was a tough one. I was also precepting someone at that time. Shit, whenever you guys both we were taking, you guys are both on it. The, my uh, preceptee had to basically, you know, knock sense into me. She drugged me into the bathroom and she was like, breathe, breathe. You're going to be okay. Like, put some water on your face because I came back down from taking him to the OR and I just lost it. Like, I don't even remember what I said. I just know I was crying and I was screaming. And she was like, yanks me into the bathroom. And she's like, you got to get it to the, together. You got to stop. Breathe. Breathe. Stop. And I'm still covered in blood at this point. And she's like, you need to go change. Okay? Slow down. Yeah. Go change your scrubs. Oh, God. You don't remember what you were trying to do or say? Were you? I was just upset and trying to get out so many things that my mind was like not even nothing about what we could have done differently. And, you know, I was, I wanted that kid to be okay so bad. Yeah. And, and, and as a level two trauma center, do you guys have a pediatric section in your ER? No. No, you don't. They don't have That's... a specific pediatric area, no. Where I worked, the two, again, the two hospitals I worked at, you had your pediatric section and you had your regular ER section. And the pediatric nurses aren't fucking with the adult patients. The adult nurses aren't <laughs> fucking with the pediatric patients, right? So I can only imagine. Well, if... yeah, we get kids and adults and same nurses, same yeah. doctors. Which is really hard. You have to know your shit for both pediatrics mm -hmm. and adults. They're very different. Like I, like I said, when I was working at the years I've worked at, a pediatric nurse would never lay hands on an adult nurse. An adult nurse, if they saw a pediatric patient in triage, they would fucking run. They're not, yeah. they're not coming near them, you know? And to, as for you guys, just to have like these crazy traumas at a level two trauma center with adults and kids and a fetus too, right? Like that's, that's probably one of the worst things that can happen to an ER nurse, having a pregnant woman come in who's sick. I had a patient who <clears throat> delivered a fetus. Like oh God, we got her out of the wheelchair. Actually, stop. I can't her... handle it. I can't handle it anymore. <laughs> put her on the bed and as soon as she hit the bed the baby was out oh shit so i had to leave him like he's still attached to the cord so i had to leave him between her legs until the the od got down there and could try to help deliver the the placenta and stuff but even the ob doctor looks at me and she's like are you okay i'm like yeah yeah i'm good i'm good yeah, but yeah, I'm really I'm not. But yeah, I'm just like, not. I'm going to be there for, you know, whatever to help the patient. Yeah, you go, you'll cry, cry to yourself later in the, in the bathroom. But the, not, the not mom the was, the mom was so strong. Like, I was like, I can't believe how, like, good you're doing right now. Like, you're an inspiration to, you know, to just everyone. Like, you're so strong right now. And, um... Yeah, I mean, well, I think she knew she was high risk, so I think she had prepared herself for a bad outcome. But still, it was still, um, it was still terrible. That little baby boy, just uh, yeah. And again, just to the 
Man, you deal with a lot of shit. I, and I wanted to be very clear. Like the ERs I worked at, we did not get shit like this that often, <laughs> if not at all. Okay. Like you, you're, you're, you are a special person and the ER you work at is crazy. The nurses that all of the nurses that I work with, <clears throat> specifically Vicky Deanne, and I want to say my friend Casey, they're like my crew. They're like my go-to if I need help. They're amazing people and amazing nurses. And, you know, they just some of the best people you could ever know. You need those people or like, I mean, how do you go to work every day and deal with that shit without, you know, emotional and physical support from Emotional damage. Emotional damage. (laughs) Emotional damage. Yeah. Oh my God. And you know, Um, I get tattoos. Like that's how I. That's a therapy for me. You get tattoos of that that are associated with the situations that happened, or no? I just um, I I like tattoos, so I just get tattoos and like that's part of my self care. Most of our patients are just old people. Yeah. Right. I don't think uh the. Like everyday person understands that, oh, you're working the ER, you're going to see all this exciting stuff. No, not most of the time. Yeah, not most of the time. Again, it's just people who chest, old people with chest pains, shortness of breath, their falls, family members are just a little too scared about what's going on. Just bring them in. If I like you, don't like you, we work together, I'm going to help you. I've always been that way. I just can't see someone struggling and not offer assistance. Have you always been this person? Where did it come from? Is that an experience or a person who's inspired you to be this like great empathetic nurse and coworker? I think it probably comes from my close relationship with my grandmother. She's a very, uh, she's like me and my ER in her hometown. She's the person that everyone, you know, looks to for help and she offers help without being asked so i feel like you know growing up watching her do that she instilled that in me when i was working at the er i mean it just meant so much to have somebody like you to you know to look to in case i needed help or i was drowning someone who just does not judge you for asking for help you know and kind of just helps you just because I'm, i'm never gonna judge you I will always jump in if you need help, even if you don't ask. I guess one time you heard a patient and her, there was a combative patient and you ran across the unit to tackle them. <laughs> yes, I, I know what the, the time that she's talking about. So she was working in the trauma area. I was working in the chest pain area and I was in a patient's room drawing blood or starting an IV and I hear her. Uh, telling the patient, sir, it's okay. We're he- you're at the hospital. We're here to help. But I heard distress in her voice. So I put down what I was doing and I ran towards where I heard her voice. And I see her standing outside of the room and I just go past her and basically jump on. I see the tech has the the patient like in a hold and he's like trying to fight to to get up. And so I jump across the bed onto his legs to hold his legs down. And we're finally able to get him to calm down. And he, I, I don't know if he had a seizure, but he was like face down on the bed on his knees. And she saw him that way. And it looked like he wasn't breathing at first. But then whenever the tech went in to 
get him up and make sure he was breathing, he got combative. And that's whenever she said, you know, hey, we're here to help you. But just hearing my friend in distress, here I am running through the ER to make sure that she doesn't get hurt. You don't normally have to get physical with patients, right? It's got to be pretty rare. Do you normally be waiting for security or do you guys usually have to take things into your own hands? We do ask where security's help, but they are usually the same age as the patients that are coming in for broken hips. Um, and they can't really do, they can't really do very much. Um, so... I'm usually, I, there are times when I have to uh, be security. Oh my gosh, And I'm really yes. not, I'm really not afraid. And uh, my husband gets upset with me a lot of times. He's like, you're going to get really hurt. I'm not going to let my coworkers put themselves at risk over me because I feel like they have more to lose. I don't have children. You know, I, all the people I work with, most of them have children. And I would rather it be me than one of them. I was going to say about the security thing, though. Not only sometimes they're, you know, they're either the same age as, you know, your geriatric population or they're just way too young and a little small. Like, how do you expect mm -hmm. this type of security guard to go take on a guy who's like, you know, six foot and combative? I, I, I had a situation where I had a. We had a very combative patient and uh, we had to get physical with him because the security guard took one look at the guy and was like, I'm not touching him. So me and my charge nurse at the time had to go wrestle, tackle him. I, I got the legs because I'm small. I was smaller than my charge nurse. Yeah. He pretty much just sat on his back and waited until more backup security could come. It just, happens like that where you have to like try to improvise until you can get more more hands to help. Yeah. 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 Sometimes you're just trying to like, and you know, and eventually it's everybody gets one limb and <laughs> hopefully... Hopefully we can get some medication to calm this person down. So the thing about me is I'm going to restrain you 100%. Like if you're being combative and I need to treat you. And a lot of times we're short staffed and we don't have those extra hands. So it's just straight up. I'm going to restrain you. It's the same thing with me. I think I, I remember I put out a video about restraints, like tips from the ER restraints. And people got so upset that I said, you know, that's like one of the first things we do. If you're being combative or if you're being uncooperative, we're, just, we're gonna throw some, you know, Velcro straps on you, right? Nothing yeah, too crazy. That's all it is. It's for the patient's safety and our safety. It's Absolutely. not to be mean. Absolutely, but you know, people, people got so upset. They're like, oh, you're supposed to be empathetic you're supposed to be able to talk them down and calm them down I'm like bitch you do not understand if you don't work in the er like we do not have fucking time for this okay like you're gonna you have to cooperate Are or... the, were these people that were like in healthcare, or were they just like that were responding being upset because i feel like all the the healthcare people were like laughing at this video like yeah they know exactly what you mean and the people who are being the most vocal obviously do not work in healthcare, don't get it. And, you know, they see from the outside looking in, they see it and they're just like, this is terrible. Like, how could you? So yeah, no, most people were not yeah. healthcare workers. We got a job to do. Yeah, and a lot of times uh, people don't understand with patients with dementia, they have no idea where they are and they're scared, you know, and they think that they're back 20 something years old 
and they can literally, you know, they'll try to beat our ass literally because they're afraid of us. Yeah. Not only are they going to try to beat our ass, but like if they get up and they fall, I mean, it's just, it's a whole thing, right? And we don't, yeah. we, you know, the ER, we don't have this. We try to, we try to get sitters, but sometimes yeah, it's not in the cards. I mean, just the other day, I had a lady who had already fallen and hit her head and was trying to get up and was not like in her right mind at all i tried talking to her and explaining to her and i was like fuck it we're uh, i'm just gonna have to restrain you like i'm sorry i don't have time for this we're so busy right now and if you get up and fall again then you're i mean you could already have a a brain bleed i don't know Mm -hmm. put some little velcro straps on her she couldn't get out of bed and turned out that she ended up being okay she didn't have any injuries but still we have Velcro strap, but we also have leather restraints, which is what we use for like our really big and combative patients, which is a little bit more cruel. So Velcro is like baby, baby right. steps. Yeah. The other question I wanted to ask is like, I guess, how do you fight against burnout? Because when you go through, when you go through like seeing young people, you know, not make it and you're covered in blood and you're, you know, your mind's racing and all you're trying to save them and it doesn't work out despite your best efforts. It's just like, how do you fight from going crazy? It's important to like, when you're not working, take time for yourself, you know, do something that you genuinely enjoy doing. Make sure you set aside specific time for that and spending time with your family and, you know, other people who make you happy. I have appointment to get a massage once a month. Um, you know, I get my tattoos, I do like movie night with my husband and we, um, we go to concerts, like we go to a lot of live music and that's something that we do together that we enjoy. Like, I, I think that's probably the most important thing is make sure you set aside time for yourself and separate from work, like just only for you. And that's how I've combated, uh, being you know, going crazy and and having burnout. And the burnout, I don't, for me, doesn't really come from these difficult patients because I feel like I've, you know, done as much as I possibly can to help these patients. The burnout comes from people who come in the ER for bullshit, like Mm. not emergencies. And I feel like they're coming in, they're wasting resources when I could be you know, taking care of someone who genuinely has an emergency. What's the average wait time over there? Eight hours. I mean, yeah, it's been it's been pretty bad lately it, during the day. Um, at night, it gets a little bit less because um, I feel like like sometimes you get like a rush of people and um, you don't have any more beds. So that's the worst at night. If it like if if all the off chance that it does get super busy. First of all, you're working with half the resources, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody, you don't have the same team on days as you have on nights, you know? And uh, if right. it gets busy, and you're like, you're completely fucked. There was a situation where before, because I recently went from weekend day shift to uh, night shift. It's a weird shift. It's 3P to 3A. When I get there, it's balls to the wall. Yep. Busy. And then it kind of slows down usually. Um you know, getting closer to 3 a.m. But before I started on the night shift, um, the they told me of a situation where they had a like a, a alpha trauma 
and a cardiac arrest at the same time. So the guy had slit his own throat and there was a cardiac arrest. And so they had two nurses for chest pain, two nurses for the trauma area. So you got four nurses trying to work a cardiac arrest and a alpha trauma in the middle of the night. Jesus. For those of you who are listening, an alpha trauma at your ER means what? Um, it's the highest level trauma we're calling everybody, all the surgeons. Everybody's, um, yeah, everybody's getting out of bed. They're coming to the ER. Right. Yeah. And we're going to have to transfer this person, person to a level one trauma yeah. center. Um, I think in this situation, the, he was able to be taken to surgery and they, was, they were able to repair it because he wasn't stable enough uh, to get flown out until they could do some type of repair. Like a nine-year-old whose face is split in half from the nose down. Her mom was taking her to cheerleader practice, swerved so she wouldn't hit a dog, hit a fence, a pole from the fence goes in this kid's face. And so we get her, she's awake. She's awake no. and like, she's like tapping the tech, like, you know, pointing to her face, like, I don't know if she was trying to say, I can't break because there's blood everywhere. So we have ICU, like everybody's coming down because she's also an alpha trying to help. We have to stabilize her enough to fly her out to a pediatric, you know, specialist. We have sheets taped around her face so that it won't come like just flopping apart. Oh, yeah. To fucking keep the face together. That is fucking horrible. Uh, so the ICU intensivist intubated her. From the front. How? Did, how did they fucking find anything that was there? They brought their shit down from the ER to like, you know, special shit that we didn't have in the ER. That situation was really a lot of cooks in the kitchen because it was a kid. Everybody wanted the best outcome for her. But she, we were able to get an airway, you know, and there's nowhere to stabilize it on her face, though. So literally you got the RT is staying with her holding the mm. tube. And this is like shift change type there's a cardiac arrest also going on in uh chest pain at the, while we're at the, at the same time that this girl was she just rolled in like they the uh, ambulance brought her in we put her on the stretcher and then i hear cardiac arrest coming in 19 and then right behind the the little girl comes up an old, I think it was an older man who was in cardiac arrest. So luckily this was all the day shift was there. The night shift were coming in. So oh, we had good. more people. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's like me. It's not, not that any situation is the best, but like, that's like, uh, you know, when the night yeah, shift is coming if in. It, if it was going to happen, it needed to happen then. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, you pretty much doubled your staff for like 15, 20 minutes. And uh, if yeah. the day shift people are nice enough, they'll stay and help right yeah not just dump it off to the night shift but wow actually like i'm like two or three years removed from the er but these stories like i don't know how much i miss them Go emergency ahead. medicine is is where i like that's where i want to be like what i like to do but it is really really hard and i don't know how much longer like mentally i'll be able to do it i think that i will have to give it up soon so that i don't like really damage myself yeah yeah i don't yeah because you know it's not normal you know these stories no. that to see these things is not normal like no. this is this is stuff you're supposed to go to war and see and come back traumatized with ptsd you know what i mean yeah is, and that, i feel that, like 
I feel like my coworkers are like my fellow soldiers. Yeah. Like we oh, go yeah. when we go to work, we're we're going to war, going to battle. God, and I and I always said when I left the ER, I don't necessarily miss the work or like what I did in the ER, but man, I miss the people. I I yeah. fucking loved them, you know. I've met so many so many great people working in the ER. I mean, just working in healthcare in general, but you know, you spend a lot of time working twelve hour shifts with people. And then you also see some horrible shit when you work together in the ER. So, you know, that's like a different type of relationship. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a different type of trauma bonding where you're helping us save like a fucking 20 year old who's pregnant and not going to make it. Oh, she, right? she was younger than that. She was. Oh, God, stop it. Like 15 or 16. She was a teenager. Gulfport, Mississippi. Oh my God. Can't wait. I'm going to have a comedy show there. I'm going to invite everybody. I'm going to see what this place <laughs> is about. What do you think is like the most important lesson you've learned from your career as a as a nurse? If you don't know, ask. Like if you're not sure, ask for help. Don't just like blindly go do something. Um, you know, I for a while was like, oh, they're, you know, they're going to think I'm dumb if I don't just go do this or whatever. But no. If you have any kind of concerns or reservations or if you just don't know, ask for help. Yeah. Like that's the probably the most important uh, lesson that I've learned the hard way in my career. Yeah. When you let your ego get in the way, whether either yeah. you think either you think like I got this, I don't need help or you think people are going to judge me for asking for help. I mean, that's when that's when bad things happen in the ER. Yeah, that's makes you dangerous if you don't if you can't stop and ask if you don't know what you're doing. It takes a while for to learn that I think just because there are, you know, I lo I love the, the ER staff, but there are some people who work in the ER who are just completely burnt out, and it's so hard to be happy when when you know you're working with them, right? Because they're so unhappy, mm -hmm. they're so burnt out, and like everything kind of pisses them off and. You know, you just, you don't want to talk to them or interact with them. What's crazy is like some of the most burnt out nurses are the ones you want in like the trenches with you. Cause like they know what the fuck yeah. they're doing, right? Yeah, they know their shit. They know their shit, which is, I don't know, maybe that's why they're burnt out. But like some of the most burnt out nurses are like, if there's an emergency, I want you there. I just never want to talk to you outside of this emergency. <laughs> yeah. Right? I look at it as a challenge though with those coworkers. I'm like, mm, I'm going to make you like me or I'm going to make you smile at one point today. <laughs> oh God, no, I, I couldn't. But that's that's good. Good of you for thinking that way. So what's one thing you wish patients knew about the ER before coming in? What's something that's misunderstood? I mean, we went over a lot already, but like what's, yeah. a, what's anything else on at the top of your head that you think you, you'd want to tell the patients before coming into the ER? Uh, you're going to wait. It's the emergency room. So if you're not having a true emergency, you will wait. Yes. And and if and a true emergency is the one of many stories that Ashley has told you on this <laughs> interview. So if it's nothing come coming close to that, you're probably gonna be waiting. Right? Yes. No doubt in my mind, and I doubt in anybody's mind that you are one badass motherfucking nurse who <laughs> out of Gulfport, Mississippi, like words cannot explain how much respect I have for you working there and like going through this bullshit of, you know, the ER drama. But man, thank you. Thank you for what you do, making healthcare a better place. And your coworkers love you. 
your patients love you as evidenced by the Daisy Award that you won. So, you know, thank you. Well, I mean, thank you for letting me come on and tell my stories to so that, you know, you have such a large platform. So uh, it really means a lot that, you know, this will get reach a lot of people. Um, so thank you for the opportunity. Oh, fuck yeah. This is going everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. We're going we're gonna to stop recording real quick. Thanks for listening to the Badass Motherfucker Podcast. If you have a coworker who you believe is a badass motherfucker, head over to badassmotherfucker.com to nominate them. My goal is to highlight and share more stories of healthcare workers doing exceptional work in their community who deserve a little bit more recognition. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, leave a review, and share it with your friends. Hell, slide into my DMs and tell me yourself. I can't wait to bring more stories your way. But until then, keep being the badass motherfucker that you are.